2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you're there, say I'm there. All right. It's not on the screen. Well, of course you're there. It's in your notes. <laughs> you can read along in your notes if you want. I have an ESV, so it might be a little different than your Bible. But we're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. I'm going to talk a lot louder than this rain. Let's read this together. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which is being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Verse 11. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now this is a very common verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Underline that, highlight that, circle that. We are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. You can highlight or underline that. Your, your, your Bible might say from glory to glory. Send the rain, Lord. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now I want you to hold your finger there, and I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12. Go to the right. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to be in pretty much these two verses for our time together. Now, as many of us know, Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of faith. It's the the hall of faith, the heroes of faith. It goes through, talks about by faith, Abraham and Isaac and Moses. It talks through all these different things of what men and women have done for the Lord. And I want you to read this. It's not actually in your notes, but I want you to read the end of chapter 11, starting in verse 39, and then we're going to read to chapter 12, because I think it sets it up well for where we're going to go. It says this, verse 39, and all of these, Moses and Noah and Abraham and Isaac, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. That is a huge line. God had provided something better for us. We're going to find out that that something better is Jesus. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And here we go. Here's our verse. verse tw chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us... Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to, come on, say it with me. Looking 
to Jesus. Underline that. Looking to Jesus, who is the founder. Underline that. And perfecter. Underline that. Of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. I want to speak today specifically to tired Christians. Tired Christians. And you are tired because you have been working so hard at becoming all that God has called you to do and be, you've come to a point of sheer exhaustion. Trying to follow Jesus has become a weary thing for you. Every time you seem to take two steps forward, you're taking three steps back. You're taking four steps forward, you're taking five steps back. Every time it seems like you're taking good strides towards really following Christ and being what the Bible says, something trips you up. And my message today is going to be specifically to those who are in this place that are weary and that are tired. And we're going to look at these two verses and see that the answer to what we need is in the glory of God. The answer to our problem and to our tiredness and to our weariness is the glory of God. We have been in this series now for our third week called Show Me Your Glory. Pastor Bubba has laid out a fantastic foundation of the fact that we read in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, that Jesus is the glory of God. When Moses asked, God, show me your glory, and God, God says, I can't show you my glory. There's, we're in the old covenant. If I showed you, you would die. He says, get in this rock. I'll pass by. You'll see my backside. And as he does that, Moses gets a small little glimpse, and the Bible says his face is bright. He's got to wear a veil because it's so bright. But we read in Hebrews chapter 1 that what Moses saw was just a glimpse but that we now can see the glory of God in Jesus. So we don't have to ask for the backside. We can see Jesus full in his wonderful face. And that is one of the most majestic and glorious things is that we can see Jesus for all who he is. And I will be very honest today. Um, My greatest desire today is that you will see Jesus. That's my hope. My hopes you see Jesus. Um, Being saved for a number of years, I know how to play the church game. I'm a pro. I might not be a professional athlete, but I'm a professional Christian. And I know how to raise the hand, and I know how to talk to people and say it's all good, and I know how to say the right things. I know how to do all that. I know how to hide. And in this past year, it has been a year of me coming to a place of realizing that I cannot change myself. I've tried for so long, and it's been one of the most weariest journeys I've ever been on. And so the message that I'm going to share today has been one that God has done in my heart over this past year. And I feel like if we can understand this as a church... It'll change your life forever. It'll change the way you relate to Him. Because the process of how God makes us holy 
is just as important as the fact that we're becoming holy. If you don't understand how God goes through the process of making you more like his son, you're gonna get weary. You're gonna get weary. It's a long journey. And so I, I, I wanna ask this real quick, if you would be willing to admit that something needs to change in your life, would you raise your hand? Something needs to change, okay. I think that's everyone. All right, so I'm in the right place. So here's the question we're gonna answer today. How do we change it? How do we change it? I don't, I don't think we have a problem admitting and, find, and knowing that we have problems that need to change. That's easy. The problem that I struggle with is how do you change it? How do you change it? So let's ask God to give us eyes to, to hear and to see today. Can we just pray? Father, we love you. And God, just right now in these next 30 to 40 minutes, we ask, Lord, that you would, uh, you would show us Jesus. want to see you for who you are because when we do we're never the same we, we don't want to come in here and fill in a couple notes and walk out of this place still dealing with the same stuff God we, we want you to change our hearts we want to meet Jesus today so Holy Spirit would you do what you do best Would you take this word and would you make it alive in every person's heart? I pray that those who are weary today would find strength. They would find strength. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Matt. Um. When I think about change and I think about areas that I need to change and I think about things that I want to do, Lindsay and I just got back from a pastor's retreat that we went to with uh, our whole pastoral staff. And they actually had there at this retreat that we went to a life coach. And uh, he's more of a leadership coach that would come in and, and they talked about, man, the importance of you understanding what it is to get personally healthy. And as pastors, I know you, Many of you don't maybe understand this, but as pastors, we get extremely weary and we get extremely tired and we get extremely frustrated at times. And so the importance of us taking care of our bodies, taking care of our emotional health, taking care of our physical health, because out of that overflows a great spiritual walk with the Lord because we're taking care of those things. And so as he's talking through these different things, he's talking about like physically, you know, you should be running and working out and all this stuff. And I'm going, yeah, I should. Uh, I think the last time I worked out, I think was, uh, it was that long ago, I think it was high school, no, actually, um, a couple years ago, I, uh, don't let the the slender body fool you by any means, Um, I may be slender, but I'm not healthy, and so I've been very convicted of this within the past couple of years at random times in my life, and so... How many of you just come to the point where you're like, I'm just sick and tired of where I'm at. I'm going to do something about this. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm going to change, all right? And so for me, that was, okay, if I'm going to do it, one, because I'm an extremely competitive person, I'm going to go all out. I mean, I'm not just going to go and do like a one-mile walk. Like, I'm going P90X style, okay? All right? I'm going all in on this. If we're in, we're in. 
Okay, so Lindsay and I watched the DVDs and, or, and you know, watched the info commercials, and we're like, that's it. That's how we're going to get healthy. You see that guy? That will be me in 90 days. All right, so I got this incredible picture of what this is going to look like, all that is going down. Thank you, Miss Joe. And so we order the DVDs. We spend the money on the DVDs. I get the pull-up bar. I spend the money on the pull-up bar to put into my house. And I have all the equipment and everything to make this. I got shoes to go. I got, sh- I got the shorts. I mean, I got, the, I got everything that you would need to be an incredible buff man. All right? And so I, I lure in a couple of my college guys that I'm discipling saying, you need to be in shape too, so you're in it. And so they were like, okay, let's do this. So we came up to our children's building, and we said, you know, we're going to get together, all of us. We got the mats on the floor. We got the resistant bands. We got it all, okay, everything. I mean, I'm not, I don't play on this stuff. If we're going, we're going. So the first day we get into it, I mean, this isn't P90. This is P90X, okay? This is extreme, okay? This isn't the, the weenie version. And so um, now, now know that I have not worked out since 18, and I'm going to P90X first day, okay? So we get in here, three guys, full of pride. You're not beating me. You're definitely not beating me. I will outdo any one of y'all. So we go at it. I mean, we're going for it. We're watching him. I mean, he's going at it. He's got girls on the video doing stuff. I'm like, no, the girls are not beating me. So I, I mean, they're doing like those, you know, weenie push-ups on the knees and all that. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. We're going straight on the foot man style. Okay. So we're looking at each other. They're doing the one arm one. And I'm like, we're going for it. Let's do it. I, I only got like half, but we got it. We're going for it. Okay, got all that going on, okay, so we're done, I'm, I'm about to pass out literally on the way, and I'm just kind of looking, you know, like you're looking at the guys and seeing if they're still going or something, because you don't want them to go further than you, but you'll just go a little bit further than them, and so I, uh, I get in the car, and now I'm not, I'm not feeling too well, and so I, uh, I am driving home and have a sudden urge to open the door and let all of my inyards outwards, It was not good. So I said, well, that's just day one. I'm just, I'm just out, of, I'm out of shape. And so go to day two. We get it. It's getting a little bit better. I tone it back a little bit because I'm not as aggressive this time. I tone it back a little bit. We go, to week, we go to the first week. All is good. We go to second week. It's getting a little hard. So needless to say, I did P20X. It didn't, it didn't last. So that was two years ago. So last year, me and Pastor Zach are sitting and talking about how we're out of shape. And I never, I never touched the P90 thing again. So like, I give up. I can't do it. So last year, uh, I was like, you know what? We're going to start basic here. So I looked at Zach. I said, Zach, dude, we got we to gotta get in shape for our wives, man. They need a physically fit men. So we said, you know what? Let's do this. Let's just start running. Simple? Sure. Let's run. That's great. So we said, all right. So I can't work out by myself. I need somebody to push me. So I'm like, okay, you can do it. You good? He's like, you good. So we live like a block from each other. I said, guess what? Listen, I'm going to run to you. I'll run to your house. We'll meet up and we'll go run. Great. Let's do it. All right. So man, shoes again, shorts, got it all, shirt, all that, headphones. I'm good. Ready to go. Downloaded an app on my iPhone to track how far I ran. All that. All that's going it's good, okay? So we, we take off. We go. We run. Well, he's a little more 
physically endurance, I guess, than I when it comes to running. So he's running, and I'm just, because I'm prideful, have to stay in step with him. And on the inside going, he, he better stop. He better stop. Please stop. So we run. We, I mean, we ran. I think we ran almost two and a half miles or so, okay? For some of y'all, that's like, two and a half miles? For me, that was like, I'm going to die. So, so we're running, we're running, and my house is after his, and so when we come back around, he's going to his house. I'm like, hey, see you later. And when I get around the corner, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm laying on the ground for at least a couple minutes, and I get up, and I, I walk home, because you're supposed to, like, finish strong and all this. I finished weak. Uh, I walked in, and I just opened the door, and I was just like, boom, on the couch. Lindsay's like, are you okay? I'm like, it was a little harder than I thought. And so that was the only time we ran. <laughs> we never went again. Ever. So anyways, so we're at this conference. And the guy's like, you need to be physically healthy. You need to take care of your body. And then back of my mind, I'm going, I ain't doing that again. I've spent so much money <laughs> on this. And I realize this, the stuff's not the problem, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. It's not the fact that I didn't have all the tools or all the things or that I didn't have a good accountability guy with me or that I didn't have all this stuff. I was the issue. I have a legitimate issue when it comes to the discipline of working out and taking care of my body. And I begin to think through the track of different things in my life that that tends to be the case. Um, so I've, I've heard a lot. Man, if you want to be a good preacher and you want to really dig into the word well, then when you read the Bible, you should journal. You should be journaling constantly what God's speaking to you and what's doing that. And this is no lie. I have three journals with January 1st, 2006. January 2nd, 2006, three pages down the road, it's January 1st, 2007. (laughs) Two more pages, it's January 8th, 2009. Like, I'm terrible when it comes to journaling anything. And I have journals that actually reflect that. When I look at it, I'm embarrassed of the fact that I just, I, I cannot do this. I have no discipline in this area whatsoever. I bring all that up because of the fact that I believe that when it comes to change, when it comes to growth, when it comes to becoming more like Christ, other terms of our sanctification, the process of God making you more like Jesus, I try to do a lot. And I get to a place where I'm extremely frustrated because I constantly fail. Maybe y'all like that? I'm gonna read the Bible all week. How long does that last? Wednesday? Okay. I'm gonna read this whole book this whole month. And it it just doesn't. And I don't know if y'all like me. The the passion is there. I wanna see a better fit me. I wanna see a better man of God. I wanna be a better husband. I wanna the desire for, for the end is there. I want 
to be like this. I want to be more like Christ. I think if everybody, if I was to ask, how many want to be like Jesus? Every hand would go up. Question is, why can't we get there? Why is it so hard? I think 2 Corinthians actually gives us a, a look into that. And Hebrews 12 gives us a look into that. And so I want, we're going to start filling in some blanks here. The first thing is this. You don't have what it takes to change yourself. I'm going to say that again. You don't have what it takes to change yourself. And I have, I have tried that if I'm going to change, then I need to be more disciplined. And I need to, if I want to think better, then I need, to, I need to do this more. And if I want to behave better, then I need to do this more and stop doing this and quit doing this and start doing this. And, and I've done that. If you go into a Barnes & Noble or a Books A Million or any of those places, you're going to see one of the greatest and largest categories of books is self-help. Have you ever noticed that? Ten ways to have a great marriage. Five ways to be a better husband. Three keys to improving your children and making them behave. Four ways to, how many of y'all seen this before? It's on every magazine. That's how magazines sell, right? Nine keys to this and three laws of this. And there's all these things that if you... And it's like, it's, it's so weird, because every book is like, if you would just get this book, it would transform everything. So people just dive into these books and think that these books are going to change everything. They get into these books and they realize the book and the information is not the problem. They're the problem. And they can't change themselves. It's impossible. And we take this over into our relationship with God because I, I, I love the quote. I, I heard a quote actually last week, and it said this. In the great exchange between God and you, the only thing you bring to the table is the sin that makes your salvation necessary. The only thing we bring to the table is the sin that makes our salvation necessary. So I want to I wanna very lovingly ask something of you. And here's my question. Would you please stop trying to change? Would you please stop? For yourself, for me, and for others, would you please stop trying to change? Have you ever noticed this, that you are your own worst enemy? There, is no, there has not been one person that's done more harm to you than yourself. How many of you agree to that statement? No one has caused you more misery in your life than you. Right? You are your greatest enemy. And, I, and I'm going to tell you this because this is how I work. I, when I think about things and areas that I need to change, I obsess over it. I talk about it. I do all these things. But have you ever noticed that the more you focus on your need to get better, you get worse? Have you ever noticed that? I need to stop this. I need to stop this. I need to quit it. I need to quit it. Stop it. And you're talking to people about it. Like, yeah, I know. I need to quit this. I need to quit this. And every time you are continually talking about it, you're thinking about it, and you actually end up doing it more. <laughs> Have you noticed this? It's a very sick carousel of how it works. I need to change. I need to change. I need to wash my mouth. I need to stop. I need to start being nicer. I need to start doing this. I need to start down. The, I need to stop doing this. I need, and you, you're saying all these things, and in saying all these things, you actually become more and more worse. Have you ever met a mean Christian who's trying to change? You ever met those? I'm trying to be nice. 
trying to stop being angry. If you would just listen, trying to work on the fruits of the Spirit. Have you ever met those people? Christians, people trying to change constantly, and they're so frustrated that they can't change or they're mean. I met them. John 15, 5, it's in your notes. It says this. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Who's the vine? Jesus. Good, okay. We're in a good church. Who's the branches? We are. And it says this. Those who remain in me. Who's me? Jesus. Okay, those who remain in me, in Jesus, and I in them will produce what? Will produce more fruit, much fruit, will produce great fruit. For apart from me, we know this, apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's the, here's the question. In the process of transformation, you becoming more and more like Christ, according to this verse, all the work is done by the branch or the vine? The vine. The fact that the vine produces a branch is only because the vine did the work for it. The branch didn't muster the strength to produce the branch and the fruit that comes off the branch. The fact that the branch was connected to the vine created the flow that was happening in the branch. Are y'all with me? Hopefully I didn't go over your head on that one. And, I, and I'll, I'll be very, very honest with me personally. Too often that I am prone to look at the end of the branch and see the lack of fruit that I'm producing. More than I am staying connected to the vine. If we become preoccupied with the end of the branch instead of focusing on staying connected to the vine, you will wither and die. If you are more preoccupied with the things that need to change in your life, more than you are just staying connected and focused to Jesus, you will die. You will die. I've never passed a tree and the branch is going, ah! Doesn't happen. The branch don't have anything to worry about. As long as I'm connected to this big old trunk here, we're good to go. See, but here's the deal, and this is where it gets all jacked up in church. We tell you that you need Jesus to get saved, but from there on, you got it. You need Jesus, you need the gospel for salvation, but if you want to become like Jesus, you better be working. You better be making this thing happen. You better be reading like you should be reading, and you better, and we get into this thing like, man, I got to start doing more and more and more. So how does the author of Hebrews, let's go to, let's go to that Hebrews chapter 12, and then we're going to go back to the Second Corinthians. I want to, let's look at what the author of Hebrews says how we are to change. And we'll fill in the second blank. So if the first blank is the fact that you don't have what it takes to change yourself, the second one would be that our only hope for true change is Jesus. Our only hope for true change is Jesus. Say it again. Our only hope for true change is Jesus. Amen? All right. Let's read it. It says this. Hebrews Chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us. Okay, now here's what I want you to see. Watch how many let us there are in there. Not let us, let us. Anyways, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so, cl- uh, so closely. Let us run. 
with endurance the race that is set before us. Okay, now if we were to stop there, here's the deal. And I've heard so many people preach this message that they preach this idea that, hey, if you want to live the life of Jesus, then you need to let weights go and you need to shed sin and you need to stop doing that and you need to start doing this. And, you need to, and those, in a sense, are good. But if the motivation is not right, you can get to the place where you think that all you got to do is I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to stop doing this and I got to stop doing this. I mean, it says let us run. It says let us not grow weary. It says let us lay aside. I mean, that's a lot of us, right, when you read that. That's a lot of us, a lot of things that we should be doing. But if you stop there, you're going to miss out on the beauty of what happens because when he goes into verse 2, he sets it up on how you actually change. How you actually change is the beginning of verse 2. The beginning of verse 2 says what? It's three words. What does it say? Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Over the past couple of weeks, actually, when we started this series, Pastor Bubba and I met together with Pastor Zach, and we were talking through this series about what it would look like. And one of the things that I brought up in our meeting was something that I've been wrestling with more and more is this. How could, when I read the Gospels, I see, God, I see Jesus walks on the shore, and he looks at guys, and he says, follow me. And they literally follow him. Like, drop everything. Everything. Like, their job, their family, like everything. And I wonder, what causes these people to do this? Have you ever thought through that? Like if you, we kind of just read through it, it just kind of becomes mundane. But when you really stop and think about, like, Jesus shows up at your work, says, hey, follow me. And my reaction would be, well, I got a job, and I got a family, and how's this going to work? But we see that they just literally just dropped everything and just followed him. Why is that? Paul, who's absolutely, it's actually Saul, killing Christians, could care less about Jesus whatsoever. Killing Christians and going about doing his thing. The Bible says that he gets struck down by a bright light. We know that, Lindsay tells me that if you go and you read, and I didn't even know this, when you read in Acts, the words are in red. Which means that, you know who Saul saw? Jesus. So the process of us being transformed, the process of us dropping everything and coming to him and with all of our baggage and everything going, hey, you want me? Then here is this. They saw Jesus. I really believe if we would truly see Jesus for who he is, everything would change. Everything would change. Our only hope is in Jesus. And look what it says. It says he was looking to Jesus. Your notes say this. The more I focus on me and how I'm doing, the less I focus on Christ and what he has done. I'll say that again because it was really good. The more I focus on me and what I'm doing, or maybe even not doing, the less I focus on Christ and what he's done. So how we change is we come and we look to Jesus. Let's read. It says that he is the founder of our faith. Y'all's next one. Jesus is the founder of our faith. He is the founder of our faith. What does that mean? 
Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eye. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So Jesus is the founder of our faith. I really don't doubt that most of you would agree with that. I think everybody in this room would would totally agree Jesus is the founder of your faith. Amen? How many believe that? He is the founder of our faith. He initiated this. My love for him is out of a response of him loving me when I didn't deserve it. He founded my faith. I think the problem that we have, especially for tired Christians, is this next one, which is that he is the perfecter of our faith. That's the one we have a hard time with. It's the one I have a hard time with. I love the fact that Jesus saved me. I just think he's got a piece of work and he's got some work to do when it comes to my uh, sanctification. So why is it that we think that God does the saving but we have to do the perfecting? I mean, really, most of us think Jesus said, all right, you're saved. Good luck. Hope to see you in heaven. (laughs) Hope you can make it. It's going to be a long time. He didn't do that. So the gospel is not just power for salvation, it's the power for sanctification. So let's go and look uh, back at 2 Corinthians. And we will stay there for the rest of our time. 2 Corinthians chapter 18. And I want to answer the question, how does God perfect us. I mean, he does it through so many ways. I can't by any means list all the different things that he does in perfecting us and making us like him, but I want to I talk through just what I see in 2 Corinthians 3.18 because I think it's one of the most powerful verses. It says this, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord now, we've spent two weeks on the fact of who is the glory of the Lord, and that is it's Jesus. So when it says that we, with unveiled faces, now behold the glory of the Lord, meaning we are looking to Jesus, as Hebrew says, that what is, what is happening when we're doing that? What does it say? We are what? We are, come on, help me preach here. We are what? We're being transformed. That's right. We're being transformed into the same image. So whose image are we being transformed into? Jesus. Good. Okay. Y'all going to become preachers at the end of this. You're being transformed into Jesus. Now, I want you to see this because this is so key. From what? From one degree of glory to what? To another. To one degree of glory to another. So your first fill-in there is glory to glory. The process of God changing us, transforming us, renewing us is glory to glory. It's glory to glory. This is the rhythm of your change from glory to glory. Now, I'm going to tell you, as a professional Christian, this is usually what mine is. From plan to plan, from goals to goals, from this rule to this rule, from this game plan. No, that didn't work. Let's try this one. To this game plan. That's my transformation process. Can any of you identify with that? To these goals, nope, that's not working. Let's tweak it. Let's maybe lower it a little bit. To these goals, uh, let's lower it a little bit more. To these goals. 
And there's nothing against goals. I'm, listen, I'm executive pastor here. I'm all about goal setting and trying to get things organized right and doing all that. But I have learned that in my walk with the Lord, God is bringing me from glory to glory, from glory to glory, from one moment of becoming more like him to the next moment, becoming even more like him to the next moment of becoming more like him. We're going through this process of becoming more and more and more like him. This is the greatest way that I can bring, and this may bring some great comfort to you, and I hope it does, okay? My, uh, my son is here. Just a second. <clears throat> my oldest son, he wanted, to, he wanted to hear his daddy preach. Now, last time he heard me preach, he was like, is it over yet? So... So this is my oldest. So um, as a father, when your children are younger, how many of you remember the first day when your children begin to take steps? How many of you remember that day? Maybe some of your daddies maybe weren't there. Your mamas were. They were calling you. He took a step. Okay. All right. So shoelaces untied. Um, so when that was him, being our first son, that is the biggest deal in your world at that moment. First son, took a step. You're Facebooking, tweeting, Instagramming, texting, calling, FaceTiming. You're doing everything. Everybody's going to know. My son took a step. Okay. Now, my son just walked up here. None of y'all clapped. (laughs) Did you? Okay. Now, if he was one and he was walking up here, everybody would be like, got to go. But he's seven. What's the deal? You expect that now, right? Okay. So, say go over there. All right. Walk to daddy. Good job. Walk back over there. Good job. Come back over here. Good job. We don't celebrate this now, right? Because it's expected, right? Now, when he was younger and he would do step, 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 fall. What do you do as a parent? You celebrate the three steps, right? Yes! Yes! Three steps! I didn't look at him and go, he's stupid. That's from your side, your side. You fall all the time. You're so clumsy. Why did you fall? What's the deal? I said, no, Josiah, that's awesome. Get back up, get back up. Come walk to daddy. Thank you, bud. (laughs) Now, here's where it happens. Let me tell you, because this is going to be really eye-opening for you. Most of us view God as step, 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 fall. God goes, what the heck? What's going on? You're a mistake. Why did I save you? You can't do this. What, what, what's, what's wrong with you? No. No. God sees step, 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 fall. Yes. Yes. Three steps. That was three more steps than you ever took. There's three steps there. Get back up. Get back up. So you wobble back up. 
God, I'm so sorry. I'm so, he's like, what are you sorry about? You took three steps. Get up, walk again. He's walking. You fall again. Yes. You're doing it. You're making it. See, the enemy wants to bring condemnation to focus on the fall. God wants to bring conviction when we fall, but he wants to bring encouragement and faith for the steps that were taken. See, for my son to walk up here, he used to not be able to do that, but he can now. See, for some of you, the things that you battled with, you don't battle with anymore. It's become normal for you to be able to be victorious over that, to do that. You know why that is? Because God has brought you from glory to glory. How many of you have something happen and you go to respond, you're like, no. And you think back a year ago, I would have blown up on him. How many of you think through that? And you go, Jesus, thank you. I've been married nine years, going on 10 years in April. I am a way better husband than I am nine, nine years later than I was in our first year. That's not because of me. That's because Jesus is making me from glory to glory to glory. I pray I love my wife more now than I did then. The transformation process of God bringing you more and more into the image of his son is a long process. It's a life process. You never arrive. You never arrive. You're always being brought from glory to glory. Now, the thing is, in between the glory and glory, there's the two part. And that part is usually a lot of different things. It can be pain. It can be hardship. It can be wrestling with a relationship. It can be interpersonal things that you're dealing with. But from glory to glory, we understand that that God lovingly is bringing us to the next place. Yes, you fail. Yes, that happened. It's all right. Get back up. Let's go. What would it What would it look like if our perspective of how God viewed us was always in a view of pleasure versus frowning? How would that change the way you walk with Jesus? See, most of you view God the way that I view God, which is I view God the way I view my dad. And when I messed up, I heard it. And he spent way more time dealing with why I messed up and why, what I shouldn't have done and what I should have done versus spending more time on the fact that this is what I could be and should be. Are y'all with me? We do this in parenting. I do this in parenting. I shame my kids into obedience. Why do you do that? Don't you know better? And I just love because we, when you read the New Testament, for believers, now I'm talking to Christians here, you never see Jesus angry at them. Now, he corrects and rebukes at times and admonishes, but it's not in a condemnation way. It's in a conviction because I love you because I have better things for you way. Are y'all with me? As a parent, as a, as a love for my son, Because I love my son, there is correction there. There is discipline there. There is admonishing there. But there's also encouragement and peace and a hope for a future of to come. Are y'all with me here? So glory to glory is this idea. And I'm just telling you, I know where you are because this is where I've been for so long. 
is that I view that I've got to do a couple things to get back to my daddy's good side. But how would it change the way you walk with Jesus if you knew that he was always pleased with you? That when he says that your sins are hidden in Christ, that you really believe that. That when he died on the cross before you were even born, before you even had a past, that he covered that and he covered your future sins. How awesome would that be? That now his face just turned from you because it was turned from Jesus when Jesus was on the cross because the face represents judgment. The face represents judgment. So when, the, when, when God's face was turned from Jesus, it was that all of God's wrath and judgment was on Jesus. But the Bible says now, according to this, that we can behold and look into his glorious face, which means there is no judgment, which means all judgment has been put on Jesus, and he already absorbed all that. So now he gets to look with you with countenance, because how many know a countenance says a lot? I can look at my son and not say one word, and he knows exactly what I mean. Y'all have that with your children? You just look, and they're like, why? Because your countenance says so much. What would it be like if we saw God's countenance in a whole different way than what it actually is? See, we think God's countenance is, and God's countenance is, What's Matthew say? Come to me. Come to me. Sinners get thrown at his feet. Prostitutes come to his feet. Does he go, what are you doing? What's the deal? No, what does he do? Lifts him up. Your sins are forgiven. What would it look like if this place was not a place of accusation, but was a place of healing and hope? When we spend and we see Jesus, when we see Jesus for who he is, it changes everything. It changes everything. So here's the big question. If we know that God brings us from glory to glory to glory, how does he change us? It's in this verse. Look at, second, look at the end of 2 Corinthians 3. And we all know with un, we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this, what does it say? Comes from the Lord, who is the what? So who is he talking about? That's exactly right. Your second thing is by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a bunch of different things. He calls the Holy Spirit a helper. He calls the Holy Spirit a comforter. He calls the Holy Spirit a guide. That he illuminates truth. Do you know what the primary job of the Holy Spirit is? Good, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. The primary job of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus. It's his job. The primary job of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus. Is to point you to Jesus. Is to transform you to be like Jesus. He sends all his glory to Jesus. He points everything to Jesus. 
He is the helper. What is he helping you do? Become more like Jesus. He's the comforter. What is he comforting you with? Comforting you like Jesus. He's guiding you. Why is he guiding you? Because Jesus is a chief shepherd and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you like Jesus. And where is he going to guide you to? He's going to guide you to Jesus. So when we say, show me your glory, and we say, man, that was a just incredible worship service. Like the glory of the Lord was here. Like I just felt it. I felt it. It was all over me. If you did not see Jesus or fall more in love with Jesus, that was not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be weird at all. The Holy Spirit is a helper. The Holy Spirit, Jesus constantly says, ask for the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question then goes, why are we so passionate here at our Savior's Church about talking about the Holy Spirit? I don't know if y'all have noticed, Pastor Bo's been talking about this for the past month or so, about the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We want to be. And the reason that is, is because when the Spirit of God fills you, you're filled with Jesus. You feel with Jesus. Spirit of God comes in, points you to Jesus, makes you like Jesus. And the more, I, I'll just be honest, the more I think about Jesus, the more I want to be like him. And I have a tendency to, to be, the more I think about Jesus, the more I think about how I'm not like him. Anybody like that? You're on that side? The more I think about Christ, the more I get depressed. Because I realize how far I still have to go. But that's the great thing about looking into Jesus, because the more you look into Jesus and the more he encourages you in the things that he's called you to do, and he lovingly corrects you in the areas that you need to be corrected, but he is moving you from glory to glory to glory. And I'm going to, the thing that gets me so excited about all this is that I'm so excited to meet Josh of 2013. You know why? because I'm going to be way better. You know why? Because he's moving me from glory to glory. I will be a better husband to this beautiful woman in 2013 than I am right now. I'm going to be a better father to my three boys in 2013 than I am right now. I'm still working on it right now, but I so look forward to the day and years to come of me becoming more like Jesus. And here's where you have to do the the heart evaluation for you. If you were to look at your life over the past year, two years, three years, are you becoming more like Jesus? Because here's the deal. If the answer is no, then you're not looking into Jesus. You know who you're looking to? Yourself. And that's why you're tired. This church will be better five years from now than it is today. You know why? Because we have a Holy Spirit that's making the people in this church more like Jesus every day. Amen? We're going to have better marriages than ever before.
I'm excited to, to meet the new me. But in that, there is a, there's a real heaviness I feel right now for me personally to be serious about spending time with Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but when I spend time with Jesus, he just wrecks me. He wrecks me. He shows me my pride. He shows me these things, but not in a condemning way, in a very convicting way where it stirs me to be more like Jesus. And so, in closing, I want to read this verse to some of you. And I want you to hear it as Jesus is saying it to you because this is Jesus' words and he, he gives us his word even today to be timely for us. And this is what he says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. That means all who are tired and weary. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How do we change? By looking to Jesus. How do you get a better child? By pointing them to Jesus. And by you spending time with Jesus. Knowing that he is not only the founder of your faith, but he is also the perfecter of your faith. And he is perfecting you even right now as we speak. He is perfecting you and he's bringing you from glory to glory to glory. And the way we do that is we come to Jesus. We don't try harder. We don't do more. We don't, we come to Jesus. We come to Jesus. We stir our affections for Jesus. We do the things that brings us more of Jesus. So I want to do this today. If you say, Pastor Josh, listen, I, I just feel tired. I feel weary. I feel like this has been me. I feel like, man, I, this is a word that I need to hear to come to Jesus. Would you stand? And I, I want to pray for every person that's in this room that would say, come on, that's me. That's where I am. Coming to Jesus. I want to come to Jesus. I want to look to Jesus. Come on, as a church, we're going to gaze into his face today. We're going to see him for who he is. We're going to worship him. We're going to get our eyes off ourselves. We're going to look to Christ and see all that he has done. So come on, can we do this? Can we just lift our hands before the Lord just as a sign of surrender? We just come before you now, right now. We come before you now. We come before you, Jesus. We thank you that your spirit is here. Your spirit is ministering to people. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, that it convicts us, that it challenges us, that it shapes us, that it transforms us, it renews us. And God, I pray right now, Right now, for every person who is battling with weariness and tiredness, who has looked to Christianity more as a job and a duty and a checklist and less of a relationship and a love and a joy. God, you're not looking for our begrudging obedience. That we would just spend time with you because we have to or that we, have, we read your word because... It's what somebody's going to ask me. But God, that we would truly fall in love with Jesus. May we see Jesus in all of his splendor and all of his glory. Thank you that he covers our sins, that his blood covers our sins, and that for those who are in Christ today, that you love them, you are pleased with them. And God, that you are as a father saying, get up. Get up. Come to me. 
Come on.